Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to this week's edition of Flashback Friday, your opportunity to get some good review by listening to episodes from the past that Jason has handpicked to help you today in the present and propel you into the future. Enjoy. Thanks for your support, Jason. I appreciate yours and Carrie's support and your whole network. It's really been very beneficial to me and, and a whole lot of others. I encourage everyone to use your resources that you have. But thank, thanks, Jason. Welcome to the Creating Wealth Show with Jason Hartman. You're about to learn a new slant on investing, some exciting techniques, and fresh new approaches to the world's most historically proven asset class that will enable you to create more wealth and freedom than you ever thought possible. Jason is a genuine, self-made multimillionaire who's actually been there and done it. He's a successful investor, lender, developer, and entrepreneur who's owned properties in 11 states, had hundreds of tenants and been involved in thousands of real estate transactions. This program will help you follow in Jason's footsteps on the road to your financial independence day. You really can do it. And now, here's your host, Jason Hartman, with the complete solution for real estate investors. Welcome to episode 1197-1197. As you hear this, I will be just wrapping up our Venture Alliance Mastermind Retreat in beautiful Savannah, Georgia. This uh, interview I had with one of our investment counselors, Kerry. Of course, he has his own show. He's been on over the years, and he kind of interviewed me, but I kind of interviewed him at the same time. So it's sort of a, a joint interview. So uh, let's go ahead and get to that right now. Jason, I credit as being one of the true investment visionaries of our time because everything you've done, Jason, has been proven out over the last 13, 14 years. So with that, welcome to the show. Well, hey, thanks. Uh, it's good to be back on and good to have you on my show as well, Carrie. It's not perfect, but it's better than everything else. <laughs> That's what I'll yeah. say about income property. And hey, the question is, when, not if, but when will the recession arrive? I kind of feel like we're we're at Christmas Eve waiting for Santa to show up, I, I guess in sort of a bad way. It's a perverse way to say it maybe, but but you know, it's like we've been talking about the recession coming for quite a while. A lot of people have, and when I say we, I don't mean us, because I kind of thought this economy would last uh, longer than usual, and it has. But, um, you know, it's not going to go on forever. There are some ominous signs out there, aren't there? Of course, there's ominous signs. But one thing I'd like to point out, there's trends in place that are causing this economy to continue on. Number one is all of this dollar-denominated debt that has been taken out by overseas trading partners, and they're paying back this debt in dollars. We've got a yeah. trillion dollars a year, roughly, in debt repayments coming back, in dollar debt repayments. And then another trend that is totally overlooked, misunderstood, and neglected because the powers that be don't want you to think about it, the invasion taking place in Europe now. 
and the failing political systems there. Look, for many people, they think it's Germany in the 30s again, and where are they going to put their money? Are they going to go put it in the Bank of China and hope that the Chinese cash their check, or is it coming to American banks and businesses? Yeah, right. America has always been known as the Brinks truck of the world. In other words, the secure place to put your capital. And I think now that is just as true as it's always been, maybe even more so. And you're right. Tell me, though, you know, the European immigration disaster. It is a disaster. You know, it's, it's interesting. I remember reading something maybe two years ago it was a uh, a man who was talking to his daughter. I think his daughter had just graduated from college. And she was kind of making the decision on whether she should take her sort of uh, customary trip to Europe that <laughs> all yeah, those kids take, right, when they're young, right? And I think someone in the was in the room with them and said, well, listen, there's no rush. Because the daughter was deciding between going to Europe on a trip for the summer or doing something else, maybe taking an internship. I can't, I can't remember what it said. But the point is that someone in that conversation said, Europe will always be there. And then he says he pondered that afterwards. And no, it will not always be there. Now, granted, the land will be there, but Europe is changing dramatically. Now, I was born in Europe. I know you know that. I go there pretty much every summer. Sometimes I go there twice a year. It's a disaster. I mean, it's sad. We're witnessing the end of a once great continent. And, you know, it's not just the recent rash of immigration from the Middle East. Before that, it was socialism and just kind of like prosperity even before that that leads to socialism and apathy. It is a sad state of affairs, what's going on in Europe. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's not all bad, Absolutely. of course, but I, I, don't, it's I don't know. It's, it's pretty bad. And they're in denial over it, yeah. so they won't address the problem. The only guy who wants to do something is the guy in Austria and the guy in Italy running. Now we'll see how long mm -hmm. they last. But you can yeah. flight capital, and therefore I'm actually bullish on New York City real estate for the first time in a long time. That's a weird statement. New York City real estate right now is yep. crashing. What I are you know, talking I know. about? And wait till the foreign money starts pouring in there. New York's. Yeah. Well, what, it, but what do you mean it has been? I mean, you know, I did a show uh, a few years back about how all the Russian money was coming to New York City and, you know, bidding up these properties. And, you know, the 1,100 square foot condo was $3.2 uh, million. And, but um, but yeah. that's like the uh, upper, upper class of Europe, upper financial class. When the people who are worth, say, $5 million start piecing this stuff together, they're going to come mm -hmm. to the major cities, all right? And even though they've done their best to stop the money laundering and flight capital and all that, it's going to happen at a rate that we've never seen. I'm not saying it's going to happen tomorrow or the day after. They don't really think about the state taxes and confiscatory taxes and government inefficiency and all that, the way Americans think of it, because it's our country, we're more familiar with it. They mm -hmm. think of, hey, New York City real estate, that's the rock, bedrock of mm -hmm. value. So you're going to see. Yeah, well, gonna come that's up. interesting. So the thing I think we don't want to mislead listeners, though, in, in thinking that, oh, well, no. I should run out and buy an overpriced condo in New York City, because the reality is 
that is a highly speculative oh, yeah. market with terrible cash flow, obviously. So, but it is interesting what you said, you know, that's interesting. Let's talk about a couple bullet points about the economy. I'm looking at this article that you're looking at. Do we credit Trump for the amazing run that we've had, right? You know, that's one issue. And, and then the other one, is it going to last? How long will it last? What about this looming debt? Let's tackle a couple of those items. Yeah, well, look, I don't think, and I was very skeptical when Trump became president that he could keep this thing going or even improve upon it because we were headed for a recession, in my estimation, yeah. when he was elected. Some extent, it's psychological. Other extent, it's lower tax rates. So, for instance, uh, you heard the news probably that U.S. Steel is putting a $1.2 billion investing it in their steel mills at home here. Yeah, that's, two that's exciting. That one of which we'll talk about more later is, is that, number one, the tariffs have definitely cut American appetite for foreign steel. But the second one is the bonus depreciation aspects of the new tax law where you get to write off 100% of your CapEx day that you do it. Mm -hmm. Let's explain what that means. Let's not assume everybody gets that. So that means that if you have a steel factory, a steel mill, or whatever business, and you spend money to improve that business, that's called capital improvement okay. or CapEx, yeah. that is deductible versus before the Trump tax plan that we have now, you had to wait to get that deduction. It took a lot longer to realize it. Now it's more immediate, right? right? Yeah, you that's wrote you off. Mean. So if a car lasted or a truck lasted five years, you wrote off the value of that vehicle over five years. If a machine lasted 12 years, then you wrote it off over 12 years. So you spent $12 million on a machine. You wrote off just for argument's sake, a million a year. Now, the day you buy it, the day it goes in, you write off 12 million. So effectively, you're just deducting that off your taxable income and you're paying less in taxes, which is why Amazon paid no taxes last year. Besides foreign shelters okay. and everything so, else. So let's wait on the Amazon thing for one second. So everybody needs to realize the beauty of this for the USA. I mean, it is incredible, right? right? The combination of what Trump is doing, okay? And listen, I got my reservations about Trump. Don't give me some email saying, oh, it sounds like a commercial for Trump. All I ever said is that Trump would be good for the economy. Mm -hmm. And hey, I've been completely right about that. And I think I'll continue to be right about that. And I think, Carrie, you probably said the same thing. So here's the thing, though. Think about what he's doing, right? You institute tariffs, or at least talk of tariffs, right? You don't have to actually do them. You can just say you're going to do it, and the market reacts. So you, you start the trade war, you know, the trade war. They all keep talking about the trade war. And then you bring jobs back to America in doing this. And then you basically are signaling to American manufacturers and American businesses of any type, look, you got a waiting market here because now you're going to have a much more level playing field to compete on price. We understand that you American companies have a much higher regulatory burden. You've got OSHA requirements. You've got minimum wage requirements. You've got a whole host of regulations that your foreign competitors don't have to tolerate. Yep. So we're going to level the playing field with tariffs, okay? And then 
you throw in this new tax plan that says, look, and if you want to open a, a factory or increase the size of your plant for this new waiting market of consumers that were formerly lost to your foreign competitors, you could feel pretty safe to do it. And boy, that is a huge stimulation to oh, the economy. for sure. Right? And it's the reason why, even though the first quarter is generally the slowest quarter of the year, you've seen a 3.2% increase because there's so many bad factors the first of the year. It's the hangover from Christmas, buying season, all these things that generally tend to depress the economy in the first quarter. And this year, it went 3.2%. That's amazing. Incredible GDP. It's like yeah, experts surprised. Experts not mm -hmm. uh, believing, you know. Experts uh, caught flat-footed as usual because it's experts, right? <laughs> Who are they? Right. Like our bullet points here. And how long can it last? It'll last until it doesn't. You know, a trend is your friend until the end. Yeah, very interesting. Okay, so I was on someone's show yesterday, and I talked a lot about how I don't think the next recession will be led by real estate or a mortgage meltdown like it was the last time around. I mean, the last time around, it was quite significantly real well, estate, right? This time, we don't have all those toxic mortgages out there. Now, we do have toxic student loans. We do have some toxic auto loans and other types of consumer financing out there. And then we've got things that are kind of above my pay grade, sovereign debt and things that I don't even kind of pretend to really understand in a real deep way. I mean, I guess I have a shallow understanding of them. But what do you think is going to be the next thing? I mean, look, at the slowdown will come. Oh, yeah. Where will it come from? I see it probably in the financial sector. They've been making all these off-balance sheet loans. The one thing that bankers are really expert at, international bankers, big banks, is figuring out how to lose money, how to loan money and not get paid back. When it comes to that, they are professionals. Nobody is there either, Jason. <laughs> well, I, I mean, you're, you're saying that as if they do it on purpose. Uh, is there some conspiracy well, theory uh, behind that? No, they that do it recklessly. Right? They lend uh -huh. recklessly. It is the credit cycle that causes the eventual recession because all of a sudden they look at their book and they say, wait a second, half of these loans aren't performing. We got to stop. And then they call in all the good loans to liquidate. And, you know, they've loaned trillions of dollars to hedge funds. And the hedge funds are not doing too well right now. Some of them are, but largely the industry is a bit depressed. And I don't know what it'll be, but it's going to be a financially led recession when it does come. The good thing is that if leadership is in place, it says, you know, we don't need too big to fail Bank of the United States. We'll just close it down and we'll protect all the depositors and we'll use what we would have bailed that bank out with. We'll take that money and recapitalize a new bank that's almost too big to fail. It could be a great opportunity to really drain that sewer known as our financial sector. So we'll see what happens. So let's take this more into uh, real estate investing. What does this mean for real estate investors? What should they do? What are your clients saying to you in the marketplace as, as you have all these discussions every day with investors? What are oh, they, what what they're are they saying, saying, for instance, talk to a lady the other day. You know, she's getting 2 or 3% on her money in whatever investment security that she was in. 
and it's just not cutting it and she wants to retire one day, then we look at a piece of real estate and forget about the appreciation, forget about equity pay down, you know, amortization of the mortgage, which is all positives, but just the cash on cash return, Jason, of 8%, you just can't find that anywhere. And she was looking closer to her area in California and properties are doing three to 5% return and they're overpriced. If you're lucky, you get three to 5%. So that's one thing that I hear. Another thing is diversification that I've cleaned up on the market. I've really done well, but I'm nervous about it and I don't want to have all my eggs in one basket. Plus I'm not getting cash flow on my investment because I'm hoping for appreciation. I'm not invested in the dividend uh, princes or whatever they call them, the Dow dividend stocks. And so there's a little nervousness and there's a desire to shift into other asset classes. So I see that. And I see people who, who have just said, you know, like so-and-so down the street from me, we started out the same. He got into real estate. He moved out of the neighborhood. He's living uh, on the water someplace. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Upgraded life uh, because of real yeah, estate Getting mailbox right? money every month and not yeah. working. It's like, why can't mm-hmm. I do that? And I said, well, you can do that. You, know, you just have to take right. the steps. It requires a little bit of patience. You're not going to have, in all likelihood, stellar returns unless they decide to uh, put a highway through your house and uh, eminent domain you. Then you could do really well. But otherwise, be content to make good cash on cash return. And then when you add in all the other bundles, which you're the biggest proponent of, it kind of becomes a no-lose situation. And the problem is, from our standpoint, Jason, is we can't keep inventory in stock here. You know, no sooner does a home get listed than it's gone. So it kind of becomes an urgency that you do something now rather than waiting till later. Yeah, I think that's always the thing, you know, a year from now, three years from now, if you didn't start or you didn't increase the size of your portfolio, depending on where you are in the game, you're going to wish you had and don't be the coulda, shoulda, woulda person. That's the important thing because the regrets, the regrets almost always come from not doing it. They occasionally come from doing it. I mean, people, if they've done a lot of investing, they'll have a story like, oh, I got this one lemon property. It's just always a problem. You know, I just never get good tenants. And hey, what I'd say to that is number one, it's the law of large numbers. You know, it's we're going to have some bad experiences. Just expect it and hey, deal with it. It's going to happen, right? But the other thing is, if you want to try to avoid those, don't buy the junky properties. Buy the better quality properties. Now, look, at I know, I know a lot of our clients listening they love those cheap little properties, but I'm I'm telling you, by and large, just on the law of averages, you'll do better and have better experiences with better quality properties. I would properties. agree with you, except for one thing. We've got Go uh, Pennsylvania now, York, Central PA. That's uh, not far from your yeah, old well, neighborhood, right? a ways from there, but I consulted to a mortgage bank there, and it's coming back. It's an up-and-coming little beat-down blue-collar city, and... The properties there, the architecture is beyond belief, okay? And we've got some renovated townhouses that you or I would gladly live in if they were in the area we wanted to, Jason. These properties are primo and mm-hmm. under a hundred grand, and they've got eight to ten percent cash on cash returns, meaning 
if you put up $35,000 and that includes your closing costs, you will make, uh, if it's 10%, you'll make $3,500 per year on your money. That's the first year. And then presumably rents are going to go up. I mean, the rental markets all over the country, the rents are going up sky high. So that's one market where I say on a less expensive uh, expenditure, you can get a phenomenal property that immaculate. They're, they're beautiful. So I really mm-hmm, yeah. uh, think that's one. And you can go take a look at it. Just go over to jasonhartman.com and click the properties button and check out Pennsylvania. Highly recommend. And I like that semi-rural, semi-urban area of Pennsylvania. It's mm-hmm. become much more stable and it's going to benefit from the, uh, the steel boom as well. So not too far from Bethlehem. Yeah. People can live in New York and drive to where these mills are going to be. It's kind of amazing that we're even having this discussion. I kind of never thought we'd have a discussion like this because I just keep thinking of the Bruce Springsteen song, Allentown, where they're closing all the factories down. It's kind of on the best side, the best, most optimistic hope is maybe we're in a little mini new industrial revolution part two, you know? That might be too optimistic, <laughs> but you know, maybe, but at least there's things are, things are coming back this way. So it's, it's really kind of refreshing. Oh. That's, that's nice. And of course we've got a whole oh, bunch yeah. of other markets, as you all know, keep those in mind, whether it be, you know, the Florida markets, the Tennessee, Ohio, yeah. Arkansas, a little bit of inventory there, not much. Yeah, Indiana yeah, has been, Indiana has been our longest running market. And I'll tell you uh, yeah, why. I mean, we, you know why? Yeah, I don't know what you're going to say, opinion, but why? Anyway, for what it's worth yeah. is that Midwesterners still have a great work ethic. They still mm-hmm. buy American cars there, biggest American car market. Mm-hmm. And they're just more American than the rest of us. <laughs> more American, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting way to put it. Good stuff. Any final uh, thoughts to wrap it up? You know, where it's going, what investors should do, anything else? I'm 100% behind real estate now because if you were a commodity trader and you know how to trade pork futures, you could have doubled or tripled your money over the past four months. And you could have lost it all too. More than likely you would have lost it. Got a funny story about that. When I was a kid, I, I used to go to my grandparents' house on a farm in upstate New York a lot for the summer. And I remember my very uneducated grandfather who used to be a coin collector and he was a real estate investor a little bit. He was a farmer. Also, he played the commodities market. And I got to adjust this for inflation because I have no idea what the number is today in real dollars. I remember him talking constantly one summer about how he lost $92,000 $92,000 in four hours in pork bellies. And I'm like, what is pork bellies, you know? But then I realized, you know, that's, he was playing yeah, the commodities yeah, market, right? Story. And yeah, it's so crazy, story. So, crazy stuff. You know, it's like if you live in a house or you live in an apartment, you know how to take care of it. You know, if there's a leaky faucet, mm-hmm. you call the plumber. Well, basically when you buy investment property, it's the same deal. You've already got the skills to manage it you have to rely on other people because presumably not going to be yeah. in your market, but you still. Or, or hopefully you'll self-manage and consider That's, that and we can help you do it. Self-management <laughs> is really a great thing. And it might not be for everybody, but I think a lot more people can do it, Jason, than ever thought 
he could. I'll put it this way. It's much easier than you might think it is. Okay. That's all I'll say. It's not perfect. Nothing's perfect, but it's a lot easier. I remember worked with a guy who was doing foreclosures and when he had to get prices on stuff because he knew he wanted the house, he'd call up a a contractor and say, Hey, I'm going to buy this property. Can you go take a look at it for me and tell me how much it's going to cost to fix? And he'd do that three guys. And while you're at it, could you send me some pictures? And they would do it. And then he'd figure out if he wanted to buy it and he'd pick the cheapest guy or the guy with the best reviews. And he would hire that guy to fix it. And then the same thing, if the tenant's in there. He, he was crowdsourcing yeah. them to go do exactly, his inspections. His <laughs> so the beauty though, Jason, yeah. is look, I remember we owned some properties in New Jersey and guy would call up and say, I've got a broken faucet. My brother was so smart about self-management. He would say, can you fix it? Yeah, I can fix it. How much do you think it'll cost you? Uh, probably about $50. How about if I take $75 off of next month's rent and you fix it? Oh, okay. And they would mm-hmm. do it. So yeah, you have right. to be creative and you have to understand human nature and get the tenant or others in the area to be your agents voluntarily, incentivize them to yeah, do it. Absolutely. I'm so glad you said that. Here's, I just said this on another interview that I did with our client, Drew Baker, who has been doing these ongoing shows, just he just contributing to the community just for free. He doesn't get paid anything. He doesn't get any benefit other than self-expression, <laughs> I guess, and, and, and helping people. But he's been on the show quite a few times. He spoke at our recent Meet the Masters event about self-management. And one of the things that I said on that recent interview with him is I said, look, you know, every real estate guru will tell you you should go have it. You need a team, right? You need a team of people to help you execute on your plans to build a nice real estate portfolio. And, I, you know, that's true enough. I have no argument with it. I, I'd say the same thing. But one of the overlooked team members is your tenant. All your tenants are part of your team. They really are. Most tenants are very nice, very decent, and extremely helpful yeah. people who will be your advocate, who will shop around and help you get the best price. They want to feel like they're part of something. And they will meet the contractors. They will find the contractors for you. You know, it's amazing how the tenant becomes your ally. You know, admittedly, sometimes you're at odds with your tenant if they're not paying the rent and you got to be tough with them. I get it. But mostly, that's not the way it is. Mostly, they're one of your team members. They're helping you. It's a wonderful thing. And you just have to use them to your advantage. And uh, hey, if somebody you're going to rent to happens to be a handyman or a contractor, small contractor, and you've got other properties around there, use that person to your advantage. There's lots of instances of this. And now with cameras and smartphones, you say, oh, there's a leaky faucet. Uh, can you send me a picture? How about if I just mm-hmm. order that faucet and you install it and we'll take it off? Right. You know, yeah. it gives you so it's much a, capabilities, yeah. but you got to deal with people effectively to self-manage because... You know, you're not there yourself, but with smartphones, it's almost like you're there. It really is easy. So anybody listening, you should probably have, you know, you probably shop on Amazon, for example. You should have in your Amazon address book all of the addresses of your different properties with the names of your tenants attached to each of them. Of course, you may rotate the tenant names every few years, but the property address will be the same. And just send things to them. 
you know, send them a little treat once in a while, a gift for them. But also you can, you know, send them a new ceiling fan and, uh, you know, they can have someone come over and install it. Be a little careful with this stuff with liability and so forth. Okay. Obviously you got to be smart and be well insured, you know, maybe talk to your insurance broker about this kind of thing. But the best way to source things is to break up the supply chain, buy the product yourself and have it sent right they'll just ship it right to the property with a click of a mouse and uh usually for free and usually in two days or maybe even the same day and uh, i'm talking about amazon prime and then you know just have a handy man install it you know upgrade the properties for the tenants if you're self-managing a lot of this stuff gets a lot cheaper and a lot easier and the tenants become much more appreciative oh. they stay longer they don't turn over the property in bad condition it's just a better yeah, relationship it's all about relationships i mean you said it really well hey you know if you look at the place and you think you know it's christmas time i'll send them some new towel racks yeah, oh, right, right. Send them a gift that improves your property. <laughs> Self-serving, Self-serving gift. But you're making it better for yeah, them as well. Right. Send them a new light fixture. It's a win-win. Send, yeah, you know, it's a win-win. It'll cost you 40 bucks for a new light fixture. Or, or less. It'll cost you 25 yeah. bucks or less, you know, $18. It's, There's it's so, so many things you could incredible. do, and it's, little, it's the little things that really make your relationship, people appreciate you, that you're not just, blood-sucking landlord you know you just care about the money and you don't care about anything else it's like you're in it together yeah right that's when you self-manage that is almost always the vibe when you've got a manager and there's distance it's just not so yeah it's interesting i've come full circle on that i really you know i've become um much more of a fan of self-management and what's interesting about that is when i owned properties locally years ago before i became a nationwide investor in 2004 i would never dream of hiring a property manager of course i always managed my own properties it was it was so easy like i told the story before about this this one property that was in irvine california and it was 10 minutes from my office and maybe, uh, I don't know, 12 minutes from my house, okay? And the tenant was there for three years. I went over to the house after they had moved out to just take a look at it. And I realized, you know, even though this property was 10 minutes from me, I haven't been here in three years. It sort of didn't matter that it was local or or it could have been 3,000 miles away. It would have been the same experience. That's really funny. And very yeah, illustrative yeah. of the concept. We're talking about maybe you shouldn't do it on your first or your second. Maybe you've got a property manager you're not happy with, but you've got a tenant you love that loves you, and you both kind of conspire to eliminate the middleman, if you will. Yeah, good idea. And look, at if you don't like self-management, you can always hire a property manager yeah. the next day. Right. So <laughs> there is a... A, a wide availability of managers that would love to have your account at any time you decide it's not for you. So you can always go back. It's not like breaking up with your boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Maybe you can't go back that time. But w- with this, you can easily yeah, go back, like, right? Uh, it's like Rocky said in the movie, I'm very available, right? <laughs> property <laughs> managers are very available. Yeah, no problem at all. This is where you absolutely have to use mm-hmm. them but we don't need to get into them because they don't apply to our clients. But it's a viable option. It takes some getting used to. you got to keep good records, okay, because you got to know how much money you spent and how much money came in because the tax man wants to know that. 
we got to wrap it up, but let me just address that for one minute, okay? So, of course, the Property Tracker software yes. is a fantastic tool for that, uh, propertytracker.com. But a lot of times people ask me, well, how do you deal with your bank accounts? And should I set up 29 LLCs? And, you know, I, you, I've already talked about that. I'm not going to go into it. But let me just address the bank account issue. I have some bigger properties. You know, I have a mobile home park. I have a couple of apartments, you know, bigger properties. But for my single family home properties, I just have one master account. God, I don't want to mislead. I might have two accounts, okay? But I mostly uh, use one account for expenses. And then at least I don't have my property stuff mingled in with other stuff. Okay. Okay, so it's like when I go to my CPA every year for taxes, if there was a transaction related to one of those single family homes in this batch, it happened in this account, right? Yeah. I know that much. So it's not that hard to figure it out, shoebox. you know? Yeah, I don't think you need a separate bank account for each property. Some people ask me that. You can do it. I think it's kind of overcomplicated though. You know, I, I just think you need one account for all your properties and just keep it separate from everything else. That's and all one other thing we should mention, we kind of talked about it, but if you need to set up an LLC, I can help you do that. I was a lawyer in a uh, past life. It's not legal <laughs> work. It's just paralegal work. Simple enough to do. Yeah. We can do it together if you want and don't let that be an obstacle to doing what you know you need to do. And I guess that's about it. Yeah, that's a that's a great little helpful service, Carrie, because you were a lawyer for many, many years. So felt like hundreds of years, but it wasn't. But I've done hundreds <laughs> of LLCs, can do up the articles for you, all that stuff. And there's do's and don'ts. You should probably put together a do's and don'ts list of uh, setting up an LLC, Jason. Hey, good talking with you. Happy investing, everybody. Go to jasonhartman.com for more info. Hey, and and uh, send me an email at uh, Carrie, K-E-R-R-Y at jasonhartman.com. Any questions or comments, LLC issues, whatever, just send it off to me and I'll uh, answer it or tell you to hire a lawyer. <laughs> Sounds good. Thanks again and happy investing. Thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. Be sure to check out the show's specific website and our general website, hartmanmedia.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Remember that guest opinions are their own, and if you require specific legal or tax advice or advice in any other specialized area, please consult an appropriate professional. And we also very much appreciate you reviewing the show. Please go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio or whatever platform you're using and write a review for the show. We would very much appreciate that. And be sure to make it official and subscribe so you do not miss any episodes. We look forward to seeing you on the next episode. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.